0: of asphalt tile either in your home or place of business you'll want to know that Johnson's glow coat is the preferred polish to use in protecting these floors you apply glow coat to an asphalt tile floor in exactly the same way as to linoleum there's no rubbing or buffing you simply apply and let dry glow coat is self polishing it brings out the color of the tile keeps it new looking it's a cinch to keep clean and it leaves a tough film that protects the surface of the tile against wear makes it last longer And of course, for the care of all your linoleum surfaces, Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat is the kind of product prescribed by linoleum manufacturers and good housekeeping authorities and proved in use on millions of floors.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for the wonderful way in which you answered our recent appeal to you to buy war bonds. We're sorry we can't give you the final results, as all the returns are not in. But we assure you, your response was magnificent. And today is the final day of the Fourth War Loan Drive. So if you haven't bought as many extra bonds as you possibly can, now is the time to show your friends and relatives in uniform that the home front knows what to do in the Zero hour. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs>
0: character of Wellington heard on this program was played by Ransom Sherman. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, and inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night.
2: This is the National Broadcasting Company. And Patricia, will you do me the honor and give the date? Give the date of
3: what?
2: The show we get
3: heard. Oh, the no, just heard I thought you were looking at today. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, oh, Walden, I'm sorry. That was... Ladies and gentlemen, ladies
2: and gentlemen, gentlemen, here is Patricia.
3: Are we back? We're back. Okay. You want me to give the date now? I sure do. Okay. um, Wave to the audience.
2: Wave to the audience with your left hand at the same
3: time. Hello, audience. I can't do this and chew gum, too. (laughs) I thought you were asking for today's date. Um, that was handwriting analysis from February fifteenth, nineteen forty four. So we were still in World War Two, and they were having the fourth uh, bomb drive.
2: Yeah, it, did you have your seventeen dollars? And was it was it fifty cents or seventy five cents? I think
3: it was seventeen dollars and fifty cents.
2: Fifty cents. Well, seventeen twenty five.
3: Seventeen twenty five. Well, if
2: Patricia and I can scrape that together, we'd like to buy a war bond from World War II to help help win the war. You know? We loved... If you got if you got a bond from World War II, let us know. 714-545-2071. I remember, in fact, uh, going to the bank in the late 70s with my grandmother, and I think that's what she was doing, was turning in war bonds. You know... I think I think he kept them 30, 35 years or so, but uh, at least I th- maybe I'm wrong, but I seen that seemed to be the memory as a kid. But uh, seven dollars and fifty cents got you about 25 and 10 years, isn't that? And also another interesting thing about that, Patricia, here we left them four months away from D-Day, and the country was getting geared up for that event. Well, that wasn't quite true. This was nineteen forty-four. Right. and D-Day was June of forty-four. When we, when they, uh, when the Allies hit Normandy beaches.
3: Oh, oh, oh! Right. I'm sorry. You said D-Day. Yes. Um, my brain isn't working tonight. Well, you know why? I misheard you. I'm sorry. You know why? Why?
2: Because we moved up a clock.
3: <gasps> See, I'm affected already. Yes. This is yes. Three mm-hmm. forty-one in the morning, and it isn't. It isn't. That's right.
2: That's why Patricia just, is just not quite here yet. And I'm going to
3: be fractured for two months now.
2: Give her 30 minutes. Give her 30 seconds, and she'll be back with us. Okay. you <laughs> like to give us a call at 714-545-2071.
3: And you can laugh at Patricia for being so fractured over a silly little hour in the time, but it really does do me in. It's not nearly as bad as it used to be, but... It's there.
2: Okay, so you were talking about World War II. Yep. And D-Day. D-Day, because we're less than four months away. Mm hmm And uh, already on my calendar, this year, June 6th, falls on a Sunday, so I will devote a lot of programming that night to what we're going through. And uh, May 8th this year falls on a Saturday, so I'll feature some... Uh, V.E. Day material um, the night before on a Friday and some with Patricia, plus our Fripper shows. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a bug on historical dates and things and times and places and things like that. So, we do that are kind of thing.
3: You are my American history. <laughs> I try sure. to
2: be. I try to be. And, hey, put this another date on your calendar. Okay. Uh, Monday, May 3rd. We'll come on a clock, 3 o'clock Eastern, and we'll stay all the way up to the live show. We're pretty close to two till past 10 o'clock, because we'll celebrate Norman Corwin's 100th birthday that day. Ah,
3: uh, okay.
2: Yeah, Norman will be 100, so I will plan to give him a call before the end of the separate interview, because I understand he is having two weeks of birthday parties. <laughs> and so, even our thing can't... Janet Waldo's throwing a party for him. So I'm not expecting to talk to Norman on his birthday. I'll get better get a call in before the birthday parties all start. So, but we'll feature his shows. We'll feature an, interviews that John Dunning with uh, Norman. We'll feature uh, NPR did a great one hour special with Norman. We'll feature a lot of famous shows all on his birthday.
3: That's amazing. Would
2: you tell people what Norman is doing right now? Norman is just recently, within the last year, signed a three-year contract to teach at the University of Southern California. And he... teaches in residence? Yes. Yes. yes he, and his he's not <laughs> bad being the youngest one in the family. That's right. <laughs> his brother is 107.
3: I remember the interview that Frank played a couple of years ago. Norman was probably, what, 97 or 98. Right. 97, I guess, huh? Yep. Would that be about right? About right. And um, he and his brother came to the interview because they had a tight schedule and they were going out to lunch and finishing up the day. Mm. And uh, partway through the interview, Frank said, would you please introduce your brother? And he said, help me with this. Uh, but it was something to the effect, this is my older brother. Right. And Norman was 97.
2: Right. Did, His I, br- did I get that right? Yeah, you're close. His brother retired at the post office at age 100. His brother was the oldest active postal worker in the America, in the Washington, D.C. area. And neither of them have outlived their dad. Her dad lived to 110. I think longevity runs in the, the Corwin family. It
3: sure sounds like it. Yeah. It sure sounds so
2: like it. So we're going to have Norman. well pre-record Norman. I will uh, have uh, I will have something with Janet Waldo on that day. She quotes and also Marsha Hunt. Um, talking about people who know Norman very well. In fact, uh... I think we'll even get a call from Norman's birthday party. I we'll hope so. Yeah, we'll even get something live. Uh, some of the people told me they will call from his birthday party. So you never know. Maybe we'll sneak in a uh, happy birthday uh, to Norman, and that will be a big day here around the station. So thanks to Bill Bragg for allowing me to, hike to get on the station and uh, do a birthday salute for uh, Norman Corwin. That's
3: going to be so special. Yeah. I hope you have a lot of people listening. And uh, Norman Corwin is such a, a special person. Radio would not have been radio without him.
2: Correct. He was the poet, lawyer of radio, and he wrote a lot of wonderful programming, helping bring what we were fighting for. And a remarkable a, person yeah.
3: all around. And he still is. Still is. He just, I mean, he's the Energizer
2: Bunny. I know. In fact, everybody, you might recall, on our Halloween 30th this past year, uh, we did a sort of big salute to Orson Welles, Wars of the World. Norman with the show that came right after uh, Orson Welles Mercury Theater, Wars of the World. So on, on that Friday afternoon, uh, Frank called me and said, Hey, I got Norman on. Okay, so we talked to Norman just past October on the air live. So, so we'll we'll do something with Norman, and I know the Gasmans are planning to do something with Norman Corwin on their show. Uh, the Gasmans, John and Larry, have a show every Saturday afternoon at three o'clock Eastern here on Yesterday USA, and you can be on Yesterday USA at 714-545-545. 2071, 714-545-2071. Patricia.
3: Are we having fun yet?
2: We're having fun.
3: We're having a lot of fun. I really came for prepared tonight. I've got more trivia questions. So if there's somebody out there, especially on the California side here, you folks are still wide awake, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed. So I do have some more trivia questions. If you want to call in and not even play trivia, that would be fine. Just call and say
2: hi. If you're in Seattle. If you're
3: if in you're Seattle. In,
2: if you're in Portland. If you're in Portland. If you're in California.
3: California.
2: California. Arizona. Arizona. Nevada. Nevada. Well, we Idaho. Were in Nevada. That's right. Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> Utah. Montana. Vermont. Th- New Hampshire. Th- no, I don't think that's New Hampshire, Vermont, Delaware, Rhode Island. On the West Coast, but we'll adopt you. you
3: sure, we can. Yeah. We can do the adopting. Yeah, that would be fine. <laughs> well,
2: Hello. Patricia, what have you been doing this week? Oh, I guess we're gonna have to find out later. Hello, Carl. Okay, what about Hawaii? Hi.
4: Hello, Ron. How are you?
3: Hi, Ron.
4: I should call from Hawaii. Guys right.
3: we, we were getting there. We were
4: getting there. <laughs> I um, I just got home from a dinner. You huh? did. What did? And you I heard you guys say, well, just call in and say hi. So I thought I'd call in and say hi.
3: You are such a sweetheart. Thank you. And you did such a wonderful, wonderful gift for um, for oh. Gloria last night. That was so nice.
4: Well, I, I was thrilled. I was thrilled that I was able to meet her over the phone thanks to Walden and his good-naturedness and his... Um, of getting her on the air and stuff, you know. Uh
3: huh. I agree. By the way, I'm
4: um, I, I, I did a benefit to raise money from a high school, uh, band, you know, program which I graduated about 50 years ago. We raised about eighteen thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> band oh. program, and um I will send the two of you, um uh, it's a double CD of our concert. We had alumni people from uh, I graduated from McKinley High School in Honolulu, huh? and we had a big. I put an eighteen-piece big band together to play some Glenn Miller stuff and Les Brown and everything else.
3: Oh wow! Wow!
4: I'll send it to the two of you. Wow! Thank
3: you. It sounds wonderful.
4: Yeah, it's it's, it's um it's called the Tiger Roundup. That's what <laughs> we called our program, because our our school was known as the McKinley Tigers. You know. <laughs>
2: Were you born
3: in Hawaii, Ron?
4: I was born on the big island of Hawaii. Not Oahu, but Hawaii. Yeah.
3: And that's where you are now. I was really worried about you with um, with the earthquake and the tsunamis that were spreading out all over
4: yeah oh, yeah.
3: and all of that.
4: We were fortunate. Uh, well, we live in an area where we really can't get hit by um, the, the wave, but we could be hit by water shortage and Power outage
3: and right. So, but, were you okay?
4: we were okay. would well, you ever
2: hit? I, I never knew. I guess what Hawaii hit in the '60s was a tsunami. Yeah, and in
4: 1948, I think there was a big one uh, that swept a big island. And my auntie, who uh, was going to high school at that time, uh, saw her friend. They were they were running away from the wave, and they saw her, She saw her friend get swept in. Ooh. Oh, so that was tragic. That was really.
3: Oh my yes.
4: So you know when you have tsunami alert, you know, we're lucky that we didn't get hit. You know, although some people say, "Oh man, all that warning for nothing," but hey, you know, we were very, we we're very fortunate.
3: Do you have people who routinely ignore those kinds of warnings?
4: You know, some people are are really. Um, what do you call those kind of they just, they just want to see if they can see how high the waves go. So uh-huh. they do some not very smart things. Uh, so.
3: Silly spectators. Yeah, um, uh,
4: always some, I don't know. Anyway.
3: In the 1960s, it was Hurricane Camille that hit the Louisiana coast, and people were told, get out, get out, get out, get out. And there were some who were having hurricane parties in apartment buildings. and it was wiped out, just gone with the people, uh, everything. It, it was just taken down and out. It was flat land. There was nothing left. It was just incredible. But they were people who said, well, you know, we'll just ride it out and have a good time, and we have lots of candles and flashlights. And what they needed were lifeboats. Yeah.
2: Do you ever get hurricanes or any t- what the, What's the major water? concerned earthquake hurricanes anything out there ron normally that you well
4: we have in, in the early 80s we had hurricane eva mm-hmm. kauai the island of kauai got hit with the hurricanes more than than we did but um yeah we, we, we have had some hurricanes mm-hmm. in, in hawaii and but not, powerful. not as bad as florida though florida has them pretty much more regularly than hawaii right
3: Yeah, we have hurricane season here, but the last couple of years we've been very fortunate. Yeah, you Uh, have. We had had a couple of years in a row where we just got pounded, but after that we haven't had anything.
4: I think Orlando is a more dangerous area, right?
3: No, Orlando is toward the center of the state, so they're in pretty good shape. Miami is uh, is vulnerable, so you'll hear Miami or Palm Beach or Daytona um, up that coast on the Atlantic side, I'm on the Gulf side, so when we don't get them very often, but when we get one it's kind of pinched, so it picks up some steam on the warm water.
4: Oh, uh, okay.
2: Okay. Ron, did you always play the piano at a kid or did you try out as know, when I
4: was about six years old my oh, first I learned how to play the accordion. I taught myself one day. I I learned, the first song I learned how to play by myself on the accordion was America, my country, Tisadie. Wow. And then I said, oh, wow, uh, this is how it works. And I started to teach myself more songs. Then when I went to the deaf and blind school um, in Honolulu, um, I learned how to play the piano. So,
3: I can't, you, you taught yourself the accordion.
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah.
3: you have an accordion?
4: I had an accordion. I don't play it anymore.
3: No, but when you were you were six years old where did you get an accordion
4: oh oh my 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 uh, my uncle from Japan sent me an accordion
3: Wow uh, yeah. oh my goodness and you taught yourself I love it
4: what about the piano did you pick that up by yourself did you well, get then I, then I took formal lessons. Uh-huh. but I, I could play one hand by myself yeah so that's how it all came about. And, Walter, I want to let you know that you are a very good interviewer.
2: You uh, sure know how
4: to ask good questions, and you're a good listener.
2: Thank you, Ron.
4: Makes a difference too. You don't interrupt the, the answer. <laughs> so, except except when phone calls come in, they say, "Well, we'll we'll wait a while and we'll <laughs> ask you the same question over again."
2: <laughs> calls are good. Yeah. Well, I figured if somebody calls. We try to make... Re- we want them to talk to the to the per- personality,
4: you know. Look forward to April 16th when you have that um, Fibra McGee and Molly's 75th anniversary. I
3: oh, know. that's going to be fun.
4: Yeah, it is going to be fun. are yeah. going to
3: have a good time. Are you going to call in?
4: You know, I... Let's, that's a You know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, usually Saturdays, I'm, I'm busy working uh I haven't been able to hear you guys the past couple of Saturdays, but I'll be um, on a break next Saturday, and I will be home on April 16th, looking forward to hearing Janet, I mean, not Janet, Waldo. Go cool, yeah. McMillan uh, again on the film Maggie Molly interview, and yeah,
3: I'll be around. going to be good stuff. The uh, Last night's show with Gloria and McMillan, The one you called in and and played Happy Birthday for her. Oh, Ron, that was so nice of you to do that, and I know that she was touched. That was the first time I have ever heard her, and she is absolutely delightful.
4: You know, I got to admit, I think all of us, um, when we we used to listen to our Miss Brooks when we were younger, all had a little crush on Gloria McMillan or a crush on Janet Waldo. Mm -hmm meet carless (laughs) officers because they sounded so cool you know Uh (laughs) but anyway well it was nice talking to the two of you again it's good to know that you two are you know i don't know how you guys do it and you know tomorrow there'll be a time change right
2: no we have already here we don't recognize that
4: well it's not tomorrow here yet in (laughs) hawaii (laughs) oh it's ten o'clock it's it's already oh. three o'clock your time, right?
3: I know. I know. It's been tomorrow for a couple of hours for me. Right now it's... Apparently it's
4: 1 o'clock.
3: Well, right now it's coming up on 4 o'clock, according to the clock. You're right. You're right. Hey, Ron, how
2: often do they... Do they what night do you generally people ask you to perform? Is it generally Saturday? Do because you wor-
4: I'm pretty busy. Right now, uh, steadily I'm busy <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh-huh. Um, I, I work steadily and um Because I'm semi-retired, and I want to be semi-retired. And I I keep my weekends open for private parties and and other activities. You
2: you know, you you probably remember Paige Cavanaugh, right? Of course. You know, I interviewed Paige, and he was still in his mid-80s playing seven nights a week.
4: You know who kept himself busy? Les Paul. Yes. He like Paige Cavanaugh. Yep,
2: Les was still playing in his... Ninety three, ninety four. Yeah,
4: you're right. Yep, he always kept himself busy. Um, just like you, Walden. You're not nearly 90, but you no. keep yourself busy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we have to get him to 90.
4: <laughs> and Patricia, I don't know when you sleep. It's amazing how at 4 o'clock you still sound so chipper and bubbly. And I don't know what kind of pills you take, but my gosh. <laughs> I would be zonked out at four o'clock in the morning.
3: I don't take any pills. I'm just a night person, Ron.
4: I know. When do you, when do you get up though? If you go to bed around five o'clock.
3: Well, actually, I go to bed around six o'clock.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> would you? When would you get up?
3: Um, eleven or twelve.
4: Wow, that's amazing. Well, I I know you email. Uh, you answer your emails pretty f- quick too, and so. Um, I'm always impressed on how fast you respond.
3: Oh, you're so good. You keep saying nice things. I'm going to love you.
4: <laughs> Glad <I'm, laughs> Well,
3: actually, I love you now.
4: Yeah. I want you to know that, you know, uh, somebody told me that uh, before I, w- I collected old radio shows, somebody told me that you'll meet some of the nicest people uh, in old-time radio um, collectors. Huh? You know, um, since I heard yesterday, USA, I gotta admit, I have I have never met, I mean, so many nice people as you and Walden and Bob Bro and Bill Braggs, and, I mean, it's amazing how, how nice people gather and, and collect old radio shows, you know?
3: I think there is... Uh, a personality characteristic or a couple of characteristics that go with the radio. I agree. They're just the neatest people in the whole wide world. I think
2: it partly cause it's partly because it's, a, it's a more of a gentle time, the radio show, and I think it's attract the the good side of us. Mm. Who, You're
4: who, right. It must be. And you know, here we are. I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> You're in, in Southern California. Yep. Patricia's in Florida. And yet, you know, we all have this common bond, mm-hmm. and this camaraderie is something to behold. I mean, it's, it's amazing how we feel like we have this great kinship one yep. with another, you know. It's
2: the, it's the modern technology, which we all love, because uh, it brings our social network together, even though, you know, we're, what, 6,000 miles from Florida yeah, to go. from Florida to Hawaii there, you know.
4: There you go. Yeah. Well, it's been nice talking to the two of you and and I want you to know that um I, I feel like we're we're really, 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 really good friends.
3: We
2: are.
4: I appreciate our our friendship.
3: I do too, you Ron. too Ron. You too, Ron. Can you play care? trivia tonight? You wanna play trivia? Huh? You, you wanna can. play trivia tonight?
4: Okay, let's play a little trivia. I'm half awake. I'm not as wide awake as you, Patricia, <laughs> but okay. it's
3: okay. All let's, right, let's see what we've got here.
4: Okay, let's say let's play trivia.
3: Okay, all right. Are you ready? No, I'm ready. Okay. okay. First question. We're well, going to get three questions, and then you all you need is one good answer. <laughs> okay. okay. Edgar all right. Bergen, hmm? Okay. I can go now. Okay. Oh. Edgar Bergen's young daughter was known as the sister of Bergen's dummy, Charlie McCarthy. Who was Edgar Bergen's daughter?
4: Candace.
3: Oh, see? You got it already.
4: Wasn't it? Effie Tinker was of... Uh was Effie Klinker?
3: Effie Klinker was?
2: The other dummy. It,
4: huh?
2: That was his other uh, um,
4: dummy, right? yeah? Yeah, Effie, yeah. He was. He, yeah, she was out it. Yeah, Candice Bergen was. You
3: want to try the other two? You already got Yeah, let's two.
4: see, another one. All
3: go. right. You bet your life with Groucho Marx was on radio before it was on TV. George Fenneman was the announcer on TV. Who was the announcer on radio?
4: Wasn't the same person?
3: Uh-huh. Good for you. All right. Two
4: for two. Yeah.
3: You want the third one?
4: Yeah, why not?
3: Why not? Okay, then I'm going to give you a really hard one. Okay, Super McGee and Molly. Okay, we're in here. Molly of Sibber McGee and Molly. Teeny, the little girl who lived across the street from the geese, and Marion and Jordan all had something in common. What was it?
4: Marion Jordan was Molly, and Marion Jordan was Teeny. Is that right?
3: Yes. You've done it. You've done good.
4: I guess I'm wide awake enough to answer those questions.
3: <laughs> oh, see now. But if
4: it were 4 o'clock in the morning, I'd probably get them all wrong. You're amazing, Patricia, because you can be so bubbly.
3: Oh, you're so good. Thank you. Okay, you're going to have to let me know what shows you like. Okay. We've gone through this before.
4: Go through it again. I'll, I'll choose a good one. Go through the list one more time.
3: Well, we've got a thousand different things here. Do you want comedy, mystery, uh, detective? I don't want,
4: uh us see. We don't want... Um, uh, what the, Walden and I, we don't want something of the Mounties, so. <laughs> Yeah, Blair
2: of the Mounties, yeah, I don't think we want that. <laughs> okay.
3: I'm pretty
4: teasing you, I was, and nobody wanted something of the Mounties. <laughs> <laughs> of, the
3: Mounties. Blair, Blair of the Mounties. Blair of the Mounties. <laughs> Blair of the Mounties, it's the worst show I've ever heard. Oh. I know that there's going to be somebody calling in one night and saying he or she loves the show. its It's just so bad, it's good.
4: Yeah, let's, go, let's go with comedies
3: again. Okay, let's go with comedy. You want me to go through the list?
4: Yeah, let's go through
3: the Okay, we've got The Aldrich Family, Amos and Andy, An Evening with George Burns, Baby Snooks, The Bickersons, Blondie, Bob and Ray, Burns and Allen, Duffy's Tavern, Easy Aces, Fred Allen, The Great Gildersleeve, Halls of Ivy, Jack Benny, Lum and Abner, Phil Harris and Alice Faye, Skelton, Topper, Vick and Sade. You bet your life and Fibber McGee and Molly. What was the first one you mentioned? um, The The Aldrich family and Amos and Andy. Okay, let's go with
4: them. Let's go with. Let's go with either. Either, depending on on you and how you feel like. Either or um, the Aldrich family or Topper. You decide, okay? One or the other?
3: Well, topper, there are only a couple of shows, so I can put both of them on a single CD.
4: There you go. Well, let's not do that then.
3: Okay, I'm I'm looking. There are only three shows available, so I've had three toppers and a fairly good collection of the Aldrich family.
4: That's good. That's good. That's great.
3: Okay. You got it.
4: You made me happy. You made my Saturday night, although it's a Sunday morning for you.
3: (laughs) It's a Sunday morning for me. Well, it's always Saturday night until I go to bed and get up again.
4: Well, then happy New Year.
3: Same here, pal, and uh, <laughs> I got I got um, I got
2: Gloria's address. So whenever you want to send me the email, I'll, I will
4: send you the email, and you you, you and respond uh, back.
2: Okay? Yep, and I got Gloria's address that uh, that and, they write. And,
4: and sometime next week I will put some CDs of my concert, put together a concert with the program in it, and. You guys can listen to it, okay? Oh, that's going to be great. Thank, Thank you, Ron. Ron. We'll talk to you later. You okay, bet,
3: Ron. Hey, thanks, Ron. Aloha. Aloha. To you, too. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.
2: bye Aren't we blessed, Patricia?
3: Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes,
2: yes, yes. We are blessed to have friends around the country. <sighs> and you can be a friend at 714-545-2071. 714 714- Five four five, two zero seven one. You can come out and play. Yes, you can. And you know, Patricia's kind and gentle, <laughs> and thoughtful, <laughs> and witty yeah, a good person. And witty and talented, and bright and cheerful.
3: Oh yes, but always cheerful.
2: Brave a
3: Bad word in the first forty seconds. <laughs> And
2: nobody I'm remembers about that.
3: Nobody remembers that. Oh, I do. <laughs> now everybody can call in and say, Okay, we're gonna guess
2: That's right. It. What guess what the secret word. That if you can if you can say what Patricia said at the top of the show, you can win the duck. Yeah,
3: and it wasn't a really bad word. No. It's just not a good one. No,
2: it's not it's something that Patricia will have
3: in her memory bank forever. Forever. You are so right. <laughs> well, I want to tell you about the next show because I've got a whole bunch of information that goes along with it. Terrific. That I thought was really fun. I think it's fun, so everybody else has to think it's fun, too. <laughs> this one is called The Grocery Budget. It is from April 17, 1951, and it is one of the really good shows. Uh, actually, they're all good. Sibber is upset because Molly came home with $3 worth of groceries, and he said, where is it? And she said, in my purse. Well, he decided that he could do a week's worth of shopping on $15, and Molly, of course, went, oh, yes, and she did one of her, oh, dears, and... um, it's an interesting, or it was interesting to me because I thought shopping on $15 a week and people are laughing at him while he's going through his routine, what were the prices in 1951? So I went out and found some prices. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Now, I took these out of newspaper ads, so they might be sales. They might be a little bit more expensive or less expensive, but it'll give you a good idea of what, what was going on around there. Okay. They called these washing powders, washing powders. Tide does other ones. They were all going large box. I don't know how, how big is a large box, but I remember they were pretty pretty big. Um, a large box of Tide was 32 cents. Tide in, Tide out. Uh, yep, that one. Tide. Red Dot Coffee. Now, that's, that's a name from a long time ago. Uh, 63 cents a pound, and a pound was, honest to goodness, 16 ounces.
2: And what what, what brand?
3: Red Dot, which was a national brand. Ah, okay. Red Dot coffee, 63 cents a pound. Kleenex tissues, I didn't even know they were out in 1951. (laughs) A Kleenex tissues, the 200 count, that's a fairly large box, two for 37 cents. Not bad. Do you like this? Sweetheart mm-hmm. Toilet Soap. Four bars for 29 cents. Sweetheart.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that used to sponsor some radio shows. Yeah, Sweetheart.
3: Okay. Sweetheart. Now, is that is that a product that's gone now? I bet it is. Oh, one of us will have to yeah, check that. Yeah, Okay, Ajax in the can. Ajax, the foaming cleanser. Hey, Ajax. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. The that's foaming the cleanser. Yeah. Two, two cans for 25 cents. That's a good deal. I know. Frozen lima beans, a regular size package for $0.27. Frozen orange juice in those little six-ounce cans, you know, the concentrate that you make the juice out of? Oh, right, right. $0.23. This is incredible. Celery, a large stalk of celery. I'm gathering that that's one bunch of celery, was $0.13.
2: Do you know people that you can actually lose weight by just eating celery? It's one. I
3: it costs you. It uses more calories to chew. Yep. Than you get in. I don't think it has any calories at all. But um, cost, so it costs. So it gives something like twenty-five calories to chew it. Yep. And you don't get any calories in return. So, so if you keep if chewing on celery. So <laughs> if you, you put there, you're not. Might not seal, You put peanut
2: butter on it, then you can break even. No, okay.
3: <laughs> that's right. You have to have a cracker in there somewhere. <laughs> Okay, now, in today's climate, knowing that the freezes in the southeast and in Florida wiped out our tomato crops, mm-hmm. and they are going for gold right now, five pounds of tomatoes went for 29 cents. Wow. Isn't that wild?
2: Wow. We need to have a future market, Patricia. We could have bought no prices and salmon so today.
3: <laughs> one one would have to come up with a very good preservative <laughs> in order to do that. All right, this one blew me away. Ten pounds of sugar. Take a guess. Ten pounds of sugar in 1951.
2: A dollar. Yes, 95 cents. Wow. How
3: did you know that? No, I
2: just guessed. That was, a, that was just a straight guess.
3: All right, lettuce. Now, you know what lettuce goes for. Two, it, we're up to about $2 a head right now. Uh, Fifteen cents. $0.09. Cents. Nine you're, cents. Too, you're really good at this. Wow. Now, this one was a good surprise. Peanut butter. A one-pound jar of peanut butter. Do yeah, we know what brand? <coughs>
2: Is it huh? peanut pan peanut butter? Is it
3: okay. jippy, jippy peanut butter? It just says peanut butter. That's what the ad says. Yeah,
2: said. I, I bet a jar of peanut butter was $0.10. Cents.
3: One pound? One pound? Yeah. $0.10. Cents? No, nope, it was $0.39 cents for wow. a pound of peanut butter, but but it came with a free plastic ranger whistle. <laughs> isn't
2: that Actually, fun? What What show, I wonder?
3: I don't know. It what? just says a
2: free plastic ranger whistle. Wow. So you could entertain your kid and feed them all at the
3: same time. That's a good deal. Uh, isn't that good? Yeah. Now, pet milk. We get to pet milk. Mm-hmm. You now Pet milk comes in, in little cans, you know, the short cans.
2: And let's see. At that time were they sponsoring fiber? Let's see here. April of
3: 61? yeah, I think they were. They still were. Okay, so I found the pet milk ad, and they've got the larger cans, you know, the standard size cans, like a, a you know big can of veggies. or And something it's
2: probably like that. all it's all powder, right? Pardon? All powder, right? You
3: no, know, no. These these were uh, cans of milk. They were actually evaporated milk.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: And they were in cans, and the one can. Uh, the large can is about the size of a can of string beans today. Okay. And then two smaller cans were half, half the size of the larger one. Mm-hmm. So you could have two small cans or one large can for 15 cents.
2: Okay, no kidding. I wonder how much milk was going for then.
3: <sighs> I couldn't find milk. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I looked and looked and looked. But the one thing that Fibber was all bent out of shape about was the cost of meat. And he wanted a roast. Mm -hmm. So I found round steak and chuck roast. A round steak was 98 cents a pound, and chuck roast was 63 cents a pound. Now, in 1951, 98 cents a pound is pretty pricey. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of money for a pound of meat. Yeah. So I can understand why he was a little bent out of shape about that sure. but um end cut pork chops those aren't the center cuts, so those are are the less expensive ones those were were 49 cents a pound Mm. and some of the really fun things that happened in 1951 the first jack-in-the-box opened where do you think it opened
2: gosh i love jack-in-the-box um New, new york san diego san diego isn't that amazing I know McDonald's was in San Bernardino, but uh, hey, I didn't know all the fast food places were out here. That's interesting.
3: Well, now you 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 got born out there. <laughs> Jack in the Box got born out there. Okay, 1951 in Denver, Colorado, the store chain King Super, whatever that was, it was a store chain, King Super in Denver, gave out its first S N H green stamps.
2: Oh. With that in competition with the the blue stamps,
3: yes, blue stamps and green stamps were out at the same time.
2: Got it. Okay.
3: Now the uh, blue stamps were triple S. I don't know what the three S's stood for. Okay. And the green ones were S and H. Got it. Okay. Now this one is a really good one for 1951. Mm-hmm. Swanson introduced its beef, chicken, and turkey pot pies. Gee, so
2: once they were frozen, or wanted they were pretty what? much. Hmm.
3: Yep, ones that were frozen and you could put in the oven. Yeah, well, I, I bet tw-
2: 20 cents.
3: Oh, I don't know how much it was. That was just one of the things. Ah, uh, okay. 1951. Shame on me. I'm going to have to go find out now how much a pot pie cost. <laughs> and 1951, this is the last one on my list, in a survey conducted by the U.S. Armed Services. Are you ready for this? The Armed Services yep. did a survey. yep. The result of the survey was that banana cream pie was the favorite dessert. How about that? Can you believe it? I want to know who paid for that study. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that's that's my introduction to the grocery budget from April seventeenth, nineteen fifty-one. I want you to listen for a couple of things. Um, When he can't, if he Fibber says if he can't get the bill down, he's going to go on a hungry strike. Um, Quinn was such a wonderful manipulator of words, and Fibber just delivered them beautifully. Also, the old-timer, this is really cool, the old-timer gives a line that references the the Korean conflict. Mm. I don't ever remember hearing a show that talks about the Korean conflict. It may. Excuse me, but I didn't know about it, but this one has an old-timer reference to it. Which I thought was kind of interesting. The
2: end. The end. You know, my grandmother, my, my mom's mom, got married in 1932, I think. Uh-huh. And she was telling me she remembered grocery shopping during the Great Depression on $5 a week. Uh huh. I believe it. Five bucks a week.
3: I believe it. Yeah. We're now 20 years later, and Fibber can't do it on $15 a week. Um, and it's, as I said, it was, it was primarily the meat that he was all bent out of shape (laughs) about. Um, And it it has some pretty good lines in there about the meat. So, the grocery budget from April 17, 1951.
2: Well, Patricia, are you ready to go?
3: I am ready to go. Ah, Night went very fast, and we had some great calls. Thank you, everybody, for calling in. And I will be back next week.
2: Good night, Patricia.
3: Thanks, Walden. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Bye. Here we go, folks. April 17, 1951.
5: (laughs) The Pet Belt Program with Bitter McGee and Molly. First Evaporated Milk, Set Milk, presents Sybil McGee and Molly with <laughs> Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur T. Bryan, Dick Grant, Smith Archib, Herb Weidman, Molly Smith, John C. Smith, and me, Hobby The show is written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, and directed by Max Buthole, and directed by the King's Man and Billy Mills Orchestra. When friends get together in the evening, there always comes a time when the happiest thing they can say is, how about a cup of coffee? And take my word for it, that good coffee that you make will taste extra good when you first cut milk with it. Cut milk is whole milk that's double rich, concentrated to double richness by evaporation. And it gives coffee such a good creamy color and a very watery flavor. This is why a big group will be Like so many others, you would rather use cut milk than cream in coffee. Now, most foods that give you extra pleasure cost extra food but not pet milk. Just think of it, pet milk costs less generally than half as much as ordinary coffee cream. So, always have pet milk on hand for coffee as well as for cooking. Get some at your groceries tomorrow. Here's a man without a care in the world. The picture of solid contentment. Sitting in his living room with his back in an easy chair, his feet in a window, his college book in his lap, and his wife at the grocery store, we find Mr. McGee of Sugar McGee and Molly. the window. He smiled to himself. Oh, I got a little woman and she's at the grocery store. She'll be home any minute because I hear her at the door. <laughs> oh, you're home, I'm home. Oh, okay. I did go home, kiddo, but I'm setting you down. <laughs> you want some help with the groceries? No, thanks, you, I only spent two dollars Good. That out of feed Peter- Huh? Where's the grocery? In my purse. What? <laughs> I only bought a few yeah, things. purse? Yeah, Holy smoke. I only oh, no. tell Mary to carry a bucks with the grocery, in my purse? It isn't hard, believe me. <laughs> huh? I shop carefully because on a $20 a week food budget, there isn't room, you see, for. It. $20? Spend 20 bucks a week for groceries? Oh, cut it out, Kiddo. You're joking. Joking? Well, if you think so, no. you. Oh, my gosh, you ain't.
2: Can
5: Hello we we've
1: you waiting for you it's time to play Truth or Consequences.
0: Yes, truth or consequences. The show that does everything on the air brought to you by does. The soap that does everything in your wash. Well, things are getting hotter, folks. You're getting closer to Miss Hush all the time. And here's the guy who keeps the kettle boiling. Your truth or consequences, man,
1: Ralph Edwards. (laughs) We'll talk to greetings party players. In a moment, we'll start our phone call for you listeners to identify the voice of Miss Hush. Listen to the giant jackpot of prizes. All this to one person who can identify Miss Hush when called by us on the phone. Now, here's the jackpot. Incidentally, we're still in Chicago and having a swell time here. Man alive, Chicago Theater. ...has been our home for the past week, will be for another week. Listen to the jackpot tonight. A 1947 Buick Super Convertible from the Howard Automobile Company. A Bendix Home Laundry with washer, dryer, and automatic ironer. A round-trip ticket for two via United Airlines to Honolulu. And a suite of rooms for two weeks at the Mattson Lines Royal Hawaiian Hotel. A $2,000 Columbia House trailer completely equipped. A $1,000 Diamond and Ruby Boulevard wristwatch. An RCA Victor radio phonograph combination plus a new 1948 RCA Victor television receiver, and a library of 100 Red Seal records, an I.J. Fox $1,500 full-length beaver coat, an all-metal Luscombe Silver airplane, and $2,000 in cash. So stand by your telephones. First, wouldn't that be something to win that? So now, wait a minute, wait a minute. First a consequence, then a phone call. Our first contestant is a big red boxer, does. Hello, does. I hear you're great on watch day. I understand that right down the watch line does does everything. What am I saying? Harlow Wilcox, you put that in my script now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you took the
1: words right out of my wash, right? No. Oh, please, please. How'd you do? What is your name, sir? Jones. Meet Harlow Wilcox. I know you, annoying, w- sir. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. I now, Harlow, you go over, over there and sit down. Uh, what's that? I your name was Edward. It is. That's <laughs> Harlow <laughs> over there. <laughs> Good oh, to see you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, careful, Harlow. No, you get back here, Mr. Jones. Where are you from? <laughs> Chicago. What is your occupation? Sales manager. What's your first name? Richard. Li- Live here? What's that? Richard. Close the door, will you please, Richard? <laughs> all right. What, uh, uh, have, you, uh have, have you lived here all your life? No, sir. Where before that? Iowa City, Iowa. You sat where? <laughs> <laughs> Live in Iowa City, Iowa. Oh, it's nice to see you. Have you been over to the Chicago Theater to see us? No, I haven't. Oh, so. yeah. We'll be all there all this next week and then uh, uh, through Thursday, as a matter of fact, playing Truth of Consequences. I have a question for you. Um, you here alone tonight, Mr. Jones? No, my wife is here. Oh, well, come back and have a good time sometime. Thank you. <laughs> no, you're you sort of a little vacation for the two of you? No, we're just down for the show. Oh, good. Oh, you answer at home. No, we live in Chicago. Now, yes. Yes, Good. Uh, uh, Edwards, good to see you. I did know you, uh, Yes, meet Harlow <laughs> Wilcox. Now, <laughs> sit down, Harlow. Here you are. The Sergeant Jim Matthews of the U.S. Marine Corps, Chicago, Illinois, wants to know, what did the worm say as he bored his way through a cucumber? Truth or consequences. This is a you, you What's that? <laughs> You got me. You got me? Uh... I like that answer better than the one I got, really. What did the worm say as he bored his way through a cucumber? He says, boy, am I in a pickle. And, uh, <laughs> incidentally, Monday, November 10th, marks the uh, 172nd anniversary of the U.S. Marine Corps. Through the Consequences joins the nation in paying homage to the Corps for its 172 years of faithful service. Marine.
0: This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Procter & Gamble, the makers of Does. Ralph Edwards' Truth or Consequences came to you from Chicago, Hollywood, and Miss Hush's
1: hideaway. Prepare to be dazzled. See your hair shine its brightest with new, improved green shampoo. Compared to dulling soap shampoos, new green reveals up to 33% more sheen. With your very first green shampoo, you'll see up to 33% more sheen. Extra money, money, money. $25,000 offered in Green's sensational contest. First prize, $10,000. Get entry blank and complete information at your dealers. You may win a fortune. Don't miss Green's $25,000 contest. Dr. Tosh, this is NBC, the national broadcasting.
2: Time was t- a tad slow there, weren't they? Or uh, they got the show done early. Okay, let's move over now to the Great Girls Week show. You know, we heard the Fibberma show on uh, April 17, 1951, which was a Tuesday. Let's move the next day over to the Great Girls Week, which was a Wednesday, April 18, 1951.
1: The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, makers of the one and only Miracle Whip salad dressing. And one and only is right, friends, because there is no other salad dressing like Miracle Whip. No other salad dressing has that distinctive flavor, that lively, teasing flavor that's peppy, yet not a bit too sharp. It's a flavor millions prefer. Enjoy it on your salads. Tomorrow, get a jar of the one and only Miracle Whip. let's see what the great Gildersleeve is doing. Right now, he has just finished a sizable dinner and two pieces of Bertie's apple pie with cheese and is lowering himself carefully into his easy chair. (laughs) 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 What a fine dinner. You're right, George. After eating Bertie's cooking, even the front page of the paper looks optimistic.
3: Uncle Mort! Yo,
1: I'm in the living room, Marjorie
3: family albums.
1: Your family albums? Yeah, they're probably up in the attic. Why?
3: Well, Bronco and I were just curious. Yeah, we were
5: looking for some pictures of Marjorie when she was a baby. Who's looking for pictures of who? We're looking for pictures of
1: Marjorie. What for? Oh, run along, little brother. This is a private conversation. This is a public living room. Well, sit down, Leroy, and keep your nose out of other people's affairs. Okay. Uh, We were
5: looking at the twins just now, Mr. Gildersleeve.
1: is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by Paul West, John Elliott, and Andy White with music by Robert Arbor. Included in the cast are Walter Ketley, Mary Lee Robb, Lillian Randolph, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick Trenner, Ken Christie, Earl Ross, Lois Kennison, and Dick LeGrand. This is John Heaston saying good night for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Now, here are the winners of the fourth week of Parquet Margarine's Great $83,500 Name the Twins contest. For entries postmarked before midnight, April 7th, glamorous new Ford Victorias go to... <laughs> Mrs. Fred Shepard, Jr., Birmingham, Alabama. Mrs. Ralph B. Z., Cleveland, Ohio. Mrs. Leo C. Weaver, Eugene, Oregon. Mrs. Fred Sims Greenland, Menlo Park, California, a bonus winner. Winners of other prizes will be notified by mail. Listen again next week at this same time for the names of fifth and final week's winners in Parquet's Great Contest. Meanwhile, when you buy margarine, get the margarine that tastes so good because it's always fresh. Get Parquet Margarine, made by Kraft. <laughs> Hear the Falcon each Sunday over this station. Check your newspaper for time of broadcast and listen next Sunday as the Falcon solves The Case of the Missing Miss. Groucho Marx plays You'll Bet Your Life on NBC. And that was Wednesday, April 18, 1931.
2: Well, we're going to kick about back to the automation system, and hope you all have a wonderful evening, and may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. Remember, move the clock ahead. We're getting to do that here in California in a few minutes, so may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. This is Yesterday USA. Love you all. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken them.
5: Just make your mind out The piper must be
2: Good evening, everybody. It is Sunday, March the 14th, here 2010. I'm Long Hughes, and we got an interview with Richard Lamparski, live at 8 o'clock, top of the hour, West Coast time, in 30 minutes. So let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful station. Bless all the listeners and the supporters. Thank you for the updates on Frank Brzee. Look, help Bill as he's looking for a new job. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, everybody, here we go. The Jack Benny Show.
1: The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Let your own taste and throat be the judge. For smoothness and mildness, there's never a rough puff in a lucky strike. For smoothness and mildness, there's there's never a rough puff in a lucky strike. Yes, let your own taste and throat be the judge. For smoothness and mildness, there's never a rough puff in a lucky strike, and that's because LS, MFT, LS, MFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Fine light, naturally mild tobacco that gives you smoothness and mildness in every lucky you smoke. And no wonder, for years, Lucky Strike has maintained the largest and most complete cigarette research laboratory in America. Tobacco is analyzed both before and after it is bought. Yes, prior to the auctions, the buyers for Lucky Strike send sample leaves from all tobacco-growing areas to the great Lucky Strike Research Laboratory in Richmond, Virginia, for scientific analysis to help determine which tobaccos are really fine, light, naturally mild. And this is only one phase of the constant year-round research program that makes possible the unconditional guarantee you find on every pack. In all sincerity, we ask you to check the cigarette you are now smoking. We assure you that among all leading brands... Only the makers of Lucky Strike put a guarantee on the pack. So, smoke a Lucky, and then let your own taste and throat be the judge. For smoothness and mildness, there's never a rough puff in a Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Make your next carton Lucky Strike. (laughs) The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're broadcasting from New York City for the opening of the 1950 Heart Campaign. So, without further ado, I bring you the man who is here to help launch the campaign, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and ladies and gentlemen, as Dr.
2: Finally, up. we talk talked to all these people, Bill. What what goes on? Well, I'll turn you out. I'll turn you loose, and I'll get back in chat, Bill, and see what's going on in there. You bet. Take care. Bye. I'm right for the phone with Bill at five before eight Tuesday night, March the sixteenth, two thousand ten.
0: Mm-hmm. Time be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Have you ever tried to make a family budget balance? Well, then you'll understand the kind of problems that face young wife Sally Carter in the story of the week on Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor program next Saturday morning. You'll also hear the recipe of the week for an around-the-clock main dish that's quick and easy to fix. It's ham and egg dinner. And you'll hear this husband-tested Pet Milk recipe on the Mary Lee Taylor program next Saturday morning. Be sure to set your dial for NBC next Saturday morning for Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor. Steve Wilson solves a crime in Big Town. Listen on
2: NBC. Now we're going to move over to the Fred Allen show, which was uh, March 20th, 1940. The famous show where the eagle got loose.
1: The Fred Allen Show. Brought to you by Panitou's Face for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of hell. An hour of smiles with Fred Allen, folks. 3,600 seconds of fun and music. Fun with our star comedian, Fred Allen. With our guest, Captain Knight, famous authority on eagles. Music. Put on a veil, lady. You'll look terrible. Your song of the week. Take me back to my stool and my Coca-Cola. Wait no! Minute. Wait a minute, Benet. No. Just a minute, Benet. That's boots and saddle, not stool and Coca-Cola, isn't I'm it? I'm a drugstore cowboy, but. Oh, I do. And our guest will be... Mr. T. V., director of Walt Disney's cinematic masterpiece, Pinocchio. ...and music. Good
5: night. Good night.
1: Good night. The selection when love beckoned is from Do Barry Was a Lady. This is the national broadcasting company.
2: March twentieth, nineteen forty, the Fred Owl Show, the famous show where the eagle got loose. Well we're gonna stick in one more show before we go to bed. Here is truth or consequences.
5: D-U-Z, D-U-Z, put those in your washing machine, take your clothes out bright and clean, when you does you'll wash your
1: washing thing, D-U-Z does everything. Hello there, we've been waiting for you, it's time to play Truth or Consequences. <laughs>
0: Yes, Truth of Consequences, the show that does everything on the air, brought to you by Dove, the soap that does everything in your wash. And here is a very excited master of ceremonies tonight, folks. Excited because he dreamed that Miss Hush would be identified tonight. The way is, Dream Boy, Ralph Edward.
1: <laughs> Greetings, party players from Hi Harlow, Sit down, Hollow. Dream Boy, my eye. Nightmare is more like it. Listen, listen to the...